Today's podcast guest is Spark New Zealand's Director of HR, Heather Polglace. Heather is such a breath of fresh air. She is so authentic. She's prepared to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Look, she shares her journey, how she became the Director of HR at Spark as an internal promotion, and how that affected her team. The insight Heather shares around the Spark Agile journey, where the organization had to totally reinvent itself in a rapidly changing digital world. We also find out why Heather thinks collaboration is a widely used but very misunderstood concept. On a personal level, Heather shares how she juggles being a mum, a partner, and a senior exec, and you're going to love finding out who she would be for a day. Please welcome Heather Poglace. Hey Heather, welcome along to the podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Fabulous to have you here. Uh, I think you've got lots of insights you can share, uh, not only with your current role at Spark, but you've got a um, significant corporate history in, in HR and leadership. But before we dive into those details, <laughs> how about a bit of quick fire? Yeah, of course. Fast facts. Are you breakfast or dinner? Breakfast. Mm. Mm. What did you have this morning? Toast. Oh, Bad not that nutritional dynamic. value. Not that dynamic. Oh, yeah, no, I prefer eggs. A bit right. of eggs, girl, in yeah, the morning. Nice. Poached. Yeah, perfect. Good yep. bit of protein. Yes. Healthy fats, like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Holiday, will you be bungee jumping or on the pool lounger with cocktail? Oh, I do like both without mm. trying to have it each way. Uh, but right now would be pool lounger, for sure. A little bit of downtime would be helpful. <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. Restoration. Restoration. Really. Yeah. Right. That's a good word. Yeah. Good word. Are we most likely to find you in trainers or heels? Oh, oh. <laughs> I'll be wearing the heels more often, but there's a lot of trainers in the backlog. Right. And I sound like I'm having a bit mm. each way. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is not like a political No, it's yeah. no. <laughs> No, you can't, I just you can't down a, the middle. You can't answer a question directly. It'd be helpful. Uh, when you're reading, do you prefer a real book or a, or an e-book? Real book. Mm, why? Uh, I like the smell of a mm. new book. I like uh, hardcover versus paperback. I like uh, the fact that it transports me to uh, I'm now focused on mm. this task. Right. Okay. Do you have a big bookcase? I've got a massive bookcase. Massive bookcase. I think there are ten in the oh, backlog. <laughs> pile at the moment. Right. Simon Sinek's Infinite Game is at the top at the moment. Okay. Unread. Okay. And maybe you could add Marie Kondo in there as well. Oh, Spark Joy. I've got... (laughs) (laughs) I do have that. that I should read that. Yeah. Yeah, Just (laughs) add some time. Cats or dogs? Uh, Dogs. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, Can I be more specific about the dogs? Yeah, please do. Labradors. Nice. Yeah. Got to be a Labrador. Yeah. Yeah. You have one currently? Yes. Yes. Have had two. That's interesting. Yo-yo. 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 Always comes back. Uh, no, oh. the complete opposite, but can bounce six feet off the air on all four paws at once. Wow, that's impressive. So it's, uh, it's this party okay. trick. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. a good one. Mm. Yeah, okay. We're, we're just so aligned here, Labradors, it's, it's all working. <laughs> uh, routine, are you an early riser or a night owl? Definitely an early riser. Mm, nice. Definitely. And entertainment, would we find you watching a thriller or a comedy? Comedy. Mm. Yeah. That was decisive. Yeah, very. Yeah, yeah I'm a, a total you... scaredy cat. Have you got a like an ultimate recommendation for a comedy? Oh, wow. We need some right relief, light relief. Or wow, ultimate recommendation. You know, I'm one of those people that can't remember the favorite song or the yes. favorite movie, but yes. when I watch it again, I go, "Yeah, see, that's so the greatest good. movie of yeah. all time." Mm. But I was watching the other night uh, two two films on two different nights. Normally, I fall asleep in them too, which might be the reason why I can't remember them. One was Tarzan, right? Not a comedy. Uh, but interesting. And the other one was The Hangover Part 2. <laughs> Classic. 
<laughs> I think I fell asleep on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the uh, the Hangover is a movie I watched on the plane, oh. and I'm fairly sure that everyone on the plane knew that I was watching something very funny. <laughs> there was a lot of laugh out louds in yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So either look a, a deep background in, in HR, but when you were a uh, school student, little one yeah, growing up, what, yeah. did, what did you think you'd be doing? Yeah, I very early on was nurse, and I think that was probably purely based on the fact that my mother had been one at a point in time when I, you know, reflect on that. Um, and then I decided straight out of school that I had the grades to go into law, so I was going to be a lawyer. Um, I might have had the grades, but I didn't have the stickability for uh, Legal 101. Mm. And Shadows at the time at Auckland University was a popular haunt. So uh, we did a quick diversion and we went to Family Legacy and I went and did a hospitality management degree, which is basically a business degree with, with that focus. Um, and then I fell into hotels. And then I fell into events. And then I had an amazing HR director who sort of sponsored me in the hotel realm. And then before we knew it, HR was it. Wow. There we go. Yeah. And your role now at Spark? Yeah. So HR director as of, um, I keep saying that I'm in the first 90 days. I actually am out of the first 90 days. You're in your second block of first 90 days. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So you take the first 90 days as, uh, that was yours. And now we're in... uh, the beginning of the of the role, and I think um, I've been with Spark for six six and a half years, so it's been a, a huge, fun, challenging, fast ride. Uh, felt quite a few different roles in there, and had opportunities to not just do what I would call HR. I think, to be honest, I probably would have left HR if, if I was doing traditional HR. It's been really transform transformation uh, and a lot of leadership development work which right. I, is a huge privilege. Mm, mm. And what happened to the team around you? So you yeah. you, you were promoted, yes. showed up, obviously left a hole. Yes. You have now a bunch of direct reports. What, is it, what does it mean for them? Yeah, like a huge uh, opportunity as well. So that, that is the only reason that really I get out of bed to do an HR gig is the opportunity to create systemic change for other people around me and give them a new stage to step onto. So there were three or four people that stepped up um, got new breadth of, of um, portfolio and so it was a shared co-created learning first 90 days as we all kind of floundered around a bit uh, and then we had a bit of a break over Christmas and then I was hugely um, like basically in awe of the fact that these these people that I really rated before came back with new energy new focus let me at the stage. Cool. So at Spark you've undertaken a big agile program? Yes. How much were you were you involved at the ground level when that first got kicked off? Can you give us some insight? What was the thinking about why such a strong uh, move to Agile? Yeah, from 2013, Spark's been on a, a mission from God, really, to turn around, to transform itself, to move from being a telco in decline to being you know, a burgeoning digital services provider that, that is about bringing that digital future faster. So Agile, while some people might look at it from afar and think it's quite revolutionary, for us it was actually a natural evolution. And even though we'd done a lot of transformative work over that period where where I was firmly in the organisation, all roads led to the fact that we were kind of making up for time in terms of our performance and actually what we now needed to do was supercharge uh, further ahead in a way that wasn't clambering um, some of the things that we had or hadn't done 
in the past. So um, I was involved in the, I guess the, oh, this could be an idea, um, what do we think about that, some of the early learnings. The leadership team at the time went and had a look uh, through Europe at some companies in different industries. Uh, not all of those organisations um, were, I guess, needing the same degree of performance muscle that, that we need in a highly commoditized industry. And so the, there were a few in there that were born agile that maybe didn't resonate uh, with us and our board. But then we found a couple of benchmarks who were really about the performance, the productivity, the step change, the ability to get much closer to the customer faster, the ability to flatten out so we didn't uh, do business with ourselves all of the time. Um, and, and really, how could we provide an organisation for employees where when you came to work, decision making was firmly in your hands at levels that it's really not in the hands of in many organisations right. or traditional ways of doing business. So that, that was that. And then I actually went off and had a baby. So I say that was the best timed maternity leave uh, ever, but I was only away for the actual sort of structural flip. And then I right. was back four months later when I guess the rubber hit the road around the, okay, so now how do we really hone this beast that we've flipped into and, and how do we mature it fast beyond simply flipping to something? Mm. So yeah. In now, so how far down the track? When so did, we're 30 months in. 30 months, yeah. yeah. Oh, it, it's like a baby, you still it talk to it's age months, and months. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're <laughs> yeah, converting right. years yeah. at, at We some, remember at some all point. of it, yeah. yeah? Um, what stand out for you as the wins? Yeah, really big wins. Um, I was just looking this morning, employee engagement, so anyone that tells you a story of major flip like that and all sounds wonderful is probably lying to themselves. Sure. So there were times when our employee engagement through that change kind of took a bit of a dip or a bit of a step back. Uh, but the fact that we measured it and monitored it so closely enabled us to go where the fish were, um, which was great. And that's yielded, I guess, post uh, pre-agile, we were in the sort of plus 20s of an employee net promoter score wow. range, which was which was good. We yeah. were in that healthy, mm -hmm. we've been evolving. Post-flip, we were nine points up on that, so we moved to plus 32 12 months later. So we're like, wow, these are really encouraging signs. Still with some fluctuations and variants that we could then go to, different tribes or different parts. And then most recently, we're at plus 48. So um, the trajectory and the trend is you know, being validated. And I think the really amazing thing about that win of highly engaged, empowered employees is the quantitative measure is great. Underneath that we can really see the opportunities from our people very distinctly and clearly to still be better. So you know we want to chase something much bigger than plus 48 over the next three years so that's been a win. Well done. Mm. Yeah. And now of benefit of hindsight what yeah. would you do what, what would you do would differently? Do differently? Um, I think we, um, I was talking to someone about this yesterday, I think we knew that we wouldn't be able to do everything at once in flipping, so we made some calls. Okay, so one of them was, we're gonna stop our leadership development program in a particular way because we can't cope, our people can't cope with all of that change in that. And that was the right call. I think possibly we might have brought that back on in a different way a little earlier if we had our time again, because one of the roles that makes Agile sing is, is a chapter lead role, and, and it's the leader of people from a craft. So it might be in the in a non-agile world, it'd be like a marketing manager who's excellent at developing marketing craft in people. Um, and we that role has completely changed from the old leadership paradigm. So if you went into that role as a result of this flip and you were already a leader of people, 
how you led people was fundamentally different. But then we also had 50% of the people that hadn't ever led people before, but they had all the craft. Right. So we had uh, kind of two groups, one that needed to relearn how to lead in a flatter, more empowered organisation, where they don't necessarily see their people every day either. So how do, you, how do you learn to give feedback and observe things when you don't see people sitting beside you all day? And the other and thing, how, how, how do they do that? How do they do that? So um, Agile, for it to work really well, whilst obviously the standards around ways of working and, and the different techniques you use are very important, ceremonies and events, um, there is this piece in, in the cultural uh, realm around feedback and the importance of that being up, down, sideways, every day, every way, in the moment. You know, How do you notice something and offer something that's going to make someone better? Um, so there's a there's a skill set there that we needed to fill around the well, how do do you, how do you do that and when you don't see them every day who do you go to to get the I noticed so it is about that collaboration with people that are working with them in a squad and then enough time with that individual via coaching to tease out where they're at what they're doing well what they're not feeling good at so yeah it is a totally different different world yeah and we talked earlier about the uh collaboration as a as a, a passion topic for you yeah. you know would <laughs> you would you would you say that uh collaboration's at the essence of agile yeah absolutely really? well, i often say it's the most widely used word the most misunderstood um concept really because it, it it's sort of when you say it now it's become a bit of a meme you know a bit of a, oh we've got to collaborate and and people put the, with a parenthesis around it. But when you think about what it enables you to do faster, uh, I, I say there's a scale or a spectrum. Down one end is a collaboration as the, I've done a PowerPoint and then asking someone what they think of it and tick, collaborated. And at the other end, I've got an idea, who do I know that can really add value to this to make the boat go faster? And before you know it, you've got an authentic partnership that does actually deliver something faster. But that requires you to let go of a lot of um, identity. Uh, and I think that is something that we are continuing to work on and evolve with. How do you do a bit of self-inquiry and a bit of reflection around where is my collaboration? Uh, on that spectrum, or that's probably not a very sophisticated spectrum, but oh, I think it's not maybe not sophisticated, but it's insightful. Yeah. and I think we've all uh, sat in the PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> Collaborated. Hopefully, nine slides, not ninety. Um, <laughs> and then got to the end, and someone's gone. So, what do you think? And you're kind of going, "Well, I can give some feedback here, but it feels pretty predetermined about what you think yep. and how it's going to be and what's yep. going to come from here." When someone comes to you in a less formal setting and goes, "Here's." an idea what would be your perspective how do you think it might yep. influence our customers our partners our, our whatever absolutely and suddenly you start shaping you feel much more invested yes in, in and valued which is like the human psyche right we all want to know that we've been able to help add value contribute and I was saying to someone the other day you know to your point when you sit there and then someone goes so what do you think there's only really two courses there neither drive anything positive for the receiver of it or the deliverer and I was saying to this individual I said so I can then offer the challenge or the, so that then incites defensiveness in you because you're a human. So I can dress that up and probably spend a disproportionate amount of time and energy thinking about how I'm going to frame it and in the process probably say nothing. 
to try and protect you from feeling defensive or the other option because we see how much ever you put into your 90 <laughs> slide power deck thank you, you for know, that is there really, an exec yeah, summary yeah. here yeah. <laughs> um, so the other way which is I say nothing in the room and go into a passive state but probably likely if I'm a human being to go into a covert round the back frustrated rant or at least oh my god they've got no idea yes. how to work with us yes. so I say so not much good can come out of the PowerPoint. Bearing in mind though, I often say to people, like not everything is a collaboration. I think that's really important in the Agile construct is there's a really stable backbone that sits behind Agile. It's not all free love, empowerment and collaboration and we all you know, hope we'll get there. There's a stable backbone and then when you've got that, that structure and performance muscle, mm. and then you can add to that the, the way that we would all like to be treated and work yes. together every day. Because why would we want to be on the receiving end of the PowerPoint sure. collaboration? Yeah. Yeah. So if you had a magic wand that you could just wave yep. or twitch your nose, whatever, whatever, however your superpower yeah, like happens, yeah, 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 be which kind of styles. Yeah. Uh, what would you What would you do for my superpower? Yeah. Uh, I would like to be able to see the speech bubbles above people's heads in a meeting. Are you sure? Yeah, no, I am. Really? I've thought about this. I am. Because I've seen enough in terms of work stories to know I can handle some stuff. And I think whilst I, one of my superpowers is quite instinctively, I usually can decipher the speech bubble anyway. Like the sniff test is really strong. I'm probably more instinct gut-led leader insight than I am intellect. Sure. Um, I'm not saying that I don't have any intellect. Of course. Uh, but I, I probably use that gut brain more. So I think knowing, being able to do that faster would be would be hugely valuable to me. And, and very scary for everybody else. Very scary for it and I'm sure at times highly entertaining. <laughs> You're thinking about what when we're talking about this? Yeah. Did I yeah. hear you just say yeah. I'm an idiot? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, 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 sorry. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't there, there was a movie, wasn't there? Um, yeah. Mel Gibson yeah. could kind of hear That's everything exactly was going. Right. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It didn't work out that well for him, did it? No, no. But I mean, there's the movies and then there's yeah, reality, reality. And I think, you know, okay. I'd use it for good, not evil yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I saw one of your colleagues had. Uh, commented that your superpower was the fact that you could uh, look at the wide spectrum of what was going on. So whenever there was an issue on the table, it wasn't just an HR perspective, it was a commercial mm. perspective, it was a customer perspective, it was an employee perspective going yeah. on. Would you agree that that's been one of your one of your strengths and how has that helped? Yeah. Um, I think because my upbringing was in um, family business and understanding you know, I went to a private school, but geez, my parents had to work hard to send me there. And I quickly learnt that when the business was going well, then I could have some of the things that all my friends had that maybe they never had to think about, sure. but I did. Uh, and when it wasn't, well, then the constraint was on. And, and so a lot of it comes down to uh, that early start into the world of businesses about cash. And if you don't have that, we're, we're dead in the water. Um, I think that I love the running a business concept as well. Like I love the, how do, how do all those parts come together? And I think what that person is saying is the, 
the superpower, I know who that is now actually, <laughs> uh, the superpower is I'm quite cognitively flexible. So we'll be in a room, we'll be talking about one thing and I'll be like off going, I heard that over there yesterday and someone was talking about the commercial reality of that. So, so how does that add up to that decision? So if I take that cognitive flexibility and joining dots and then a disproportionate amount of um, courage and conviction, uh, then that's served me very well. Most of the time, I had to learn how to live comfortably in that skin though, because I haven't always worked with uh, people that really like that. Um, you know, there's, we always all work with people that you know, run their lives and, and their roles really differently. And I've had to learn about how to hold on to the things that make me effective and a strong team member and the contribution that I have and not at times when there might be someone a little more abrasive or resistant to hearing a view from someone who's not, let's say, well, you're not in sales, what would you know? Yeah, sure. Um, how do I not withdraw when the, let's say, an aggressive view comes on? So I, that's been a huge learning for me. That has also served me really well in my career because the resilience muscle then keeps getting built up and built up until the point that you don't think about it anymore. Mm. You don't think about, will I say this now? In fact, I don't. Will I say this now? Never, never a speech bubble that I have. Yes. But, you know, even a couple of years ago, I still would have had that. Uh, you've talked about, uh, you know, if there could be a, a legacy for you, it would be to be able to look back at your career and go, I've helped some other people step up and grow and, and develop. Yeah. Um, give us some insights into, you know, not only in a role as an HR leader, you're obviously developing your own HR team. You've yeah. got a centre of excellence around HR at Spark, so you're trying to develop that crew. But then you've also got a massive responsibility about trying to develop the capability right across the organisation. Yeah. Can you give us a couple of insights into how you try to do it with your own team and what you try to identify and then maybe some examples from the business? Yeah. Um, so start with the own team. Um, so when I came back from Matt leave, maybe it was because I'd, I'd had a small person I was some seemingly quite fixated on the future talent. So <laughs> I was right, what, what do we look like today and what could we look like in three years? And to be honest, in an HR context and an agile world, it's quite challenging to bring people in who haven't lived the dream of flipping into agile with amazing craft, of which there are a number of talented people, and then say, well, it, well here you go, because it is quite different. And we're, we're a bit different around how we do HR at Spark too. Everybody's got their nuances and so we're, we're comfortable in that skin. So I brought in um, four gra well, two grads to start off with and that, that was uncomfortable. So part of how I do it is find what makes me uncomfortable. Um, and these two individuals, and you know, they'll probably watch it, they taught me so, so much about uh, myself that I probably never really realised before from a leadership point, but they gave me such a, a massive amount of energy. Like I was like, right, what can I do to turn them into an HR partner in 12 months time? And I said that to myself, in 12 months time, we need to have made you an HR partner through experiences, not because we've told you to do this and do that, but my role in life is to provide meaningful experiences mm -hmm. for you. Right. And, and just for context, some people may not understand mm. what an HR partner looks like inside yeah. Spark. What is, what is an HR partner? It's a credible role in a, 
in a team. So the technology leadership team will have an HR partner in Got there it. and they'll be focused on what do we need to do from an attraction point of view, where have we got leadership development gaps or needs, so the, the full spectrum, selecting the right people into the culture. So yeah, good question. Yeah. Mm. So these HR grads, um, that that was the sort of first step that we need. We need a, a breeding ground or a, a pipeline of amazingness for the future. And then the other bit was really broadening out experiences of already credible HR partners. So how, how do we um, provide the right amount of discomfort for individuals where they can really stretch and learn and understand different parts of the business and move away from any single point sensitivity that you have because we only have 15 for 5,000 people and they're 15 very fully utilised individuals but incredible career experiences that set them up for the future. So more of that different experiences, movement, dropping down kind of boundaries. Oh, I really like working over here. It's like, I get it, but you can serve enormous value over here. So that, that was the HSCU and then a, a number of people stepped up as I stepped up too, which for me ticked all the boxes um, around the what makes you happy when you, what makes your heart sing when you go home at night is providing a stage for someone else. And I don't mean that from some HR textbook point of view. Genuinely, And then in the rest of the business, the way that I've done that is when I first came back, I think there were two weeks where I spent probably one week of the two weeks in rooms with about 600 of our people who'd been at the coalface of Agile. And there were kind of two hour blocks, some of them just listening. And for a number of those people, it was cathartic, kind of, this has been really hard. I don't know exactly what I'm doing, like those roles I talked about before. Um, but what that did was we were able to quickly take that insight from them around how they were feeling and what they needed and turn something up really fast to develop them. And we did that in a co-created way. So I was like, I only have 90 days to get something up. Most organisations or people would spend 90 days thinking about what you were going to churn out from a leadership development. I was like, right, we've got two weeks, it needs to be 80% good enough so it's not wasting these people's time. And the other 20%, we're going to co-create with them in the room. So we did that across six cohorts um, of different leaders and we said to them, you're, you're the front runners, like you're informing the future of any development work that we do. So to your point about, I feel valued, um, I've contributed, it had huge dividends everywhere. Brilliant. Great insights, mm. great insights. Yeah, is. Uh, is Agile something you can cookie cut and just take into every part of the organisation go, here's the template, boom, now you're Agile? Yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, Make it nice maybe, and easy, yeah. yeah. Uh, definitely not. Um, and it's a constant conversation we actually have because when we flipped at scale, uh, we were also very clear about what Agile meant in different parts of the business. So if you take a store environment, of which we have hundreds, yes. Um, standing up an agile uh, scrum master inside a store to deliver service to customers in the moment is possibly not the most sensible idea and isn't going to make the boat go faster. Uh, so we were really clear about differentiating between where the kind of heavy agile framework really works and standing up the tribes to that end. So more on our product propositions and kind of customer interface from a marketing design versus uh, where we have, say, a sales and service team that still has adopted elements of Agile methodology, but not to the same degree as you would. And it's the same for an HRCOE, like we have stand-ups, and you'd be expecting in an Agile organisation that everybody would be having a stand-up. You would have 
key objectives and key results set. So there has to be a commonality of language and a way of working so that the agile lighter areas can actually understand what the agile have. It's like having a great coding you know, resource in a team and no one being able to understand how to get the coder to, to actually deliver what the customer needs. Yes. So there has to be that, that shared line that you walk all the time. A lot of the onus on being better, say, in a centre of excellence like I lead, means you've, you've got to be up for a bit of challenge from the agile heavy parts around how you might be able to adopt a little bit more. Um, and I think that's super, super healthy. Um, and I actually went and asked one of the coaches, can you come work with us? And you find out from um, my people what they think about this agile thing and how good we are as a COE, and then can we do some stuff? And, and that's um, coming to life next week with a reprioritization because they've gone, there's too many priorities. We can't do it. So it's like, from one perspective, yeah. I'm going, yeah. Well, we but need wait, to. We need to do we everything. Need to do all of those twelve things, but then I was like, pause. Yes. No, they're right. There's three things really well, and then come back to the next three or twelve things half baked, and mm-hmm. and see what you might get. So, yeah. Tell us a time in your career where you felt like you've been really back against the wall, very very challenged, mm. and you've you've had to find a way way through that. You know, you've talked about your probably uh, natural resilience, but also the fact that you've built it over time. But do, does something stand out as a time that you felt yeah. really really challenged? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, and there, there will be a multitude, um, but the one I recall the most easily would be at Spark. Um, and again, I'd been promoted from within. I think that in itself is often a back against the wall moment because you've really got to think quite purposefully and clearly around what does this step change mean and require of me. And I I learnt that almost by mistake. I wish someone had you know spent more time telling me Give about me that little tip. That would have been good to know. But <laughs> I've got it now. Um, but at the time, I, you know, I was working and promoted and then part of a really credible leadership team and just such clever people. We hadn't quite figured out how to behave together, so it really wasn't the sum of all parts. It was just many individuals going quite fast alone, and then we just happened to meet once a week uh, is probably the really down and dirty way to describe it. Um, and within that, then, when you, when you try to add value and you're not quite as certain of yourself, you do have a few missteps, whether that be, for me, um, all cards on the table, it was when something ridiculous would happen. There was a tone that happened to me that sounded quite a lot like judgment. Um, and when you have a judgment tone working with a high-functioning general manager, that's generally not good for relationships. Um, and so that's coupled with the fact that there were just some behavioural things which weren't great. I, I did feel most days when I went into that job like my back was against the wall and really needing to spend that disproportionate amount of time thinking about how am I going to say this, how am I right. going to position it, and that, you know, v- very demotivating. Um, at the same time though, it did teach me some great support um, off to the side in the background and I think that's hugely important, like where is your venting office? Not so you can just go and go, oh it's terrible, but someone is going to go, right, Absolutely. Pick yourself up. Mm. Let's go or try this. Um, and that really helped, though, even though I still felt back against the wall, sure. it still gave me some, you know, movement mm. out of that place. So, um, God, yeah, I learned so much about business behaviour myself, what's okay, what's not okay. Great learnings. Mm, very good learnings. Yeah, and, and good learnings for the people listening as well as of that with that kind of insight. Yeah. 
always interested with our podcast guests to understand not only the business context of what they do, um, we know you've got a, a huge job, you've got, you know, just like 5,000 people you're responsible for, so not, not too much of a major. <laughs> I was feeling quite good you're about it before I said that. What do you do to take care of Heather outside of business? Mm, great question. Um, it's a question I constantly ask myself, mm. generally on the drive home. Uh, years ago, I went to a conference in, in the sky. I don't remember 90% of what he said. And I remember he said, find your third space. And so the car is my third space to uh, get all of the clutter of the things that I do need to think about from a work context and find a, a new space to whether it be de- decompress from you know more challenging conversations or problems, um, or whether it be to get myself set to go home to the two-year-old who just wants energy, time. Yeah. Just wants mama. Just wants mama. Um, so it, it sounds really uh, simple, but it's actually hugely important. So every time I'm moaning about traffic, uh, I actually think there's a real positive um, to this traffic uh, in terms of the fact that I can move into that gives zone. You, gives you that zone. Yeah. Um, the so other, do, you, do you actively like jump in the car and go right? It's now it's my time to switch, or is it yeah? Um, some days. Uh, so there there'll be some days if a call comes in and I will see it flash up on my screen that I will actively go no no I I simply cannot handle another conversation right now. Other days, you know, I actually get or garner a lot of sort of that mental health from using my energy quite a lot so a lot for so for yes. a lot of people they need more decompression I actually quite like that adrenaline and keeping on going so I'll make a call in any given moment around this is this going to be potentially energizing you don't always get it right the conversation when you have it could be the opposite um, but uh, you know I, I make a call on any yeah on any given day to do that I do think that there is a space in my life more so than ever with now a two-year-old and this role for being better at the practice of mindfulness. And I've started some conversations with a couple of coaches around, yeah, what does that exactly look like? You know, like how do I, because at the times that I can't sleep, I will use one of those mindfulness stories. And I can't, I have never heard one of those stories out beyond the lavender fields that you are walking in to start off with. So I know there is an absolute place for me in doing more of that completely forced decompression almost is what I call it. Mm-hmm. Then from a physical point of view that's become more and more important to me since I had Georgie and it actually uh, is a differentiator or a game changer in any given day. So as an example I haven't kept my physical exercise in the last three weeks where it was and the difference that it's made to an energy and not a positive way over the last three weeks is so pronounced. So I know for me I need those endorphins which come from proving that I can do something that feels awful in the moment but hugely amazing afterwards and in the morning is just I get so much energy. And tell us about being a mum you know we're we're, uh, I have the personal experience of being married to an amazing woman that can do the job yes I do who can do the job thing who can do the mum thing who just seems to be all over everything that's everything going on and I am absolutely in awe how do you go about trying to balance the, you know, seriously heavy hitting corporate role, um, being a being a wife as well as being a being a mum, and mm. then there's the friend networks and all those kind of things we try to try to keep up as well. Yeah, look, I'll, all cards on the table. The last kind of um, six months, I wouldn't say that I've been nailing uh, all three of those things. No five stars. <laughs> no, no five stars. No high fives. 
<laughs> if we had Rhys here, he would tell you that. Right. Uh, um, but I think it is constantly learning about yourself and that to know where where you're not at at a point in time. So whilst it, it's true, you know, you've got amazing um, super mums like your lovely wife, um, I, I think what I am really effective at is knowing where the connection isn't at a point in time yes. and rebalancing rebalancing that. I think also I am super fortunate to have an incredible village um, and a lot of women talk about that but I'm a massive believer in the village. Uh, my mum, uh, Reese's mum, my sister, the auntie kind of network, The right. it's amazing. So I think um, do I get it right every day in every way? No. I think though that they are all um, re self-reinforcing. So, you know, my time with Georgie gives me a lot more energy and inclination to want to have different meaningful conversations with Reese as my husband, which then reinforces why I'm going to work. And the other thing that's really unique uh, that Reese and I are experimenting with at the moment and co-creating in an agile are sense. You, are you, are We're you, agile are you, at home. Yeah. Do, is, is there like an agile board at home? <laughs> Apparently coaching's not allowed at home. Not allowed. <laughs> Yeah, I bet yeah. you. I bet you disguise it just under another yeah, label. Like, have you yeah. thought about? Yeah. Um, but you know, Reese took the opportunity to stay at home when I took this job, um, which he finds you know incredibly fulfilling, and it's so incredible to see what opportunity that provides for Georgie in terms of these really impressionable kind of years and how much she loves fixing lawnmowers <laughs> and you know. It's <laughs> It's, a, it's amazing, um, but you know, without him uh, wanting to do that and providing me with the ability to some nights when I have to stay a bit later, or some mornings when I have to go a bit earlier, um, then you know, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. Um, but yeah, there's some rebalancing mm. in there that needs to be, in the yeah. third quarter of the role, right? Like, not everything mm. all at once. Sure. And as the saying goes, behind every great woman's a better man. Yes. Is, that, is that how the saying goes? Uh, well, I, I think like that, that I think. at some point in time in the 1950s that yeah. might have been that saying. Um, I think it's different now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Side yeah, by side. So, yeah. Side that, by that side. sounds very collaborative. It does, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. That, Together. Be, ideal. Yeah. Okay. Dream for a moment. You could be anyone in the world for a day. Who would you be? Someone else asked me this question the other day and I didn't nail it, so I then gave it a bit of thought. <laughs> And I have one that I just think is so, people will go, what the? But it's, I need to give it a precursor. It's out of morbid curiosity. Like, I just don't get it. I like where this is headed. Uh, and with it would have to come a whole lot of disclaimers and conditions about how that day would work and what it would involve. But Melania Trump. Oh, yeah, I, yes, yes, yes. Very big on the disclaimers and what will and won't partake in that particular Absolutely. day. Absolutely, what that day looks a, like. As a but insight, seriously. Uh, yeah, that, I, I hear you. That'd it would be, be incredible. I mean, mm. she, she, she's got some lovely um, clothes as well, so it'd be quite <laughs> yeah, nice to yeah, have a look yeah, at that. Yeah. If you could give some advice to your 20-year-old self, mm. what would you say? Mm, have babies sooner. Mm. Yeah, I think it would be have babies sooner, or if it's Why? not. Uh, well, Georgie was a kind of a seven-year movie-making ordeal, and when I think about what I didn't know about how much more 
how much more difficult it is to have children yes. after mm -hmm. 32, I think mm -hmm. is the, mm -hmm. uh, I, w I think I would have made some decisions differently. I think I would have not worried so much about career movement and challenge and because even back then when I was 20, which is only a couple of years ago, of course, but mm. even back then there were so many more opportunities then to, to diversify and what you were doing. and. You know, I think about it now, I did. Like I went to law school and then I went to AUT and then I went and did a bit of a experience overseas and then I came, you know, like I had I had all of that and I could. Um, but I just put, yeah, probably disproportionate amounts of time on. I've got lots of time, but mm. you actually don't. Mm. If you want mm. if you want it all, you're gonna have to make some trade-offs. And when it comes to having children, I wish I'd told myself to do it a bit sooner. Yeah, mm. okay. I think before the podcast we were talking about you know think about your role in two year two year chunks yes. of going you know at any at any moment in time I think it's a great kind of time frame to think about a role uh, that you have you go how much value can I deliver in the next two years what can I, what can mm. I get done and then yes of course we can always reassess that but it's it's long enough that you can get some really big things achieved yep. not so long that you kind of move into cruise mode and just go oh, well I'm kind of here forever and I'll just wait for the gold watch <laughs> yeah. um, is there is there something top of mind you could share with us that over the next two years you'd really like to see evolve at the Spark Centre of Excellence for people at Spark generally for you and your career what, what's something that's standing out for you? Uh, yeah, I want to see a culture where not just difference is celebrated, but differences have a bridge between them that then adds up to not just bringing your whole self to work, but bringing contribution into that environment that's never kind of questioned from a place of difference. It just, it just is. So I think I would want to see um, us take the next steps on our journey towards being even better in that realm so yeah and, and I also think so often culture is uh, being the responsibility of culture is given to our team or our set of leaders or yeah. you know our individual yes. and we all know that culture is actually everybody's responsibility yes and you know, it's a big part of what we do with our programs is actually giving people the skills to be able to drive culture at their zone yeah you know and in their role in every their day role with yeah the three five ten fifteen people that absolutely. they interact with every every yep. day because you know even more so in an organization like spark not all of us get to uh, talk to you every day you'll get to talk to the CEO no. but we we do talk to yep. our uh, whether it be our agile squad or yeah. whether it's the five people we kind of hang out with or who, who we're working off yeah. that's where we experience culture so totally we need a lot of people in the organization looking for good culture outcomes and then the other bit is I have a very healthy um, appetite for leadership development from the perspective of the way I think about my role is every day is a new baseline so even if I was that good as a leader yesterday they were just a series of moments and it's a new baseline today so no one's going to want to hear about the improvements I made incrementally over the last 10 years they're only going to measure me based on what they see today lifting Correct. so how do I look back on that and say well we re-baselined ourselves over and over and over again so that again, what we provide to New Zealand is this incredible alumni of very adaptive, very energizing, very purposeful leaders who can make a difference wherever they land. And you know, maybe they'll go and start up their own businesses and that kind of thing. And finally, I would say I do spend a lot of my focus on that HRCOE. So in the top right of the, I'll be a very happy camper if I know I've created an alumni of HR 
expertise that actually enables fosters partners with business leaders to be able to make that happen because I think without a, a mirror holder upper and, a, and your own coach by your side and mm. um, you're only going to be as good as good yeah. as you are in that moment. And Heather, I only uh, have a slight chuckle there because I'm reflecting how many business leaders you ask them what's the most important thing in your business and they go people and then you dig into a bit about <laughs> well how much do you invest in them, yeah. how much time do you spend growing them, they're like oh no no we don't do any of that but mm. they're really important. Yeah. And it's always on the top of the things I'm most worried about next year on all of those reports as well Correct. and then nothing. Yep. Every research, yeah. every survey, every, yeah. every And we just so. did our roadshow for the emerging strategy as a leadership squad and um, we put that firmly front and centre as one of our four capabilities that is going to drive that three-year strategy and the feedback from our people was like wow that that's exactly where it should be like we should be front and centre so if it's true they're our most precious asset then how much precious time do you spend thinking about what's it going to take not just for us as the strategy but I said for them all as future workers for me like Correct. what does that look like very good. Heather, such great insights into uh, you as a leader, you as an HR exec on the New Zealand landscape. Uh, I'd like to acknowledge you for what you're, what you're doing, um, that essence you bring to talk about development of people, growing other people around you. I can see that it's very genuine, that it's not just the, this is what it says on the brochure, so I better yeah. say it. It really comes from the, from, from the heart. Uh, thank you for being real and raw with us and telling us you know, not only where, where it goes great, but where things are a challenge as well. I <laughs> yeah. um, really appreciate having you on the podcast. Thanks so much. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Ron. Cool.